listener. Hi everybody, Greg Rust and Nadine Armstrong with you for The What Report, all part of our new offering, Season 2 of What's Under the Bonnet. Great to have you with us back for the podcast series. We've kind of changed up the frequency, so there's more content on a more regular basis for you. Coming up, what's happening in the market with our good buddy Fian Tor from the Car Sales Editorial, and we will meet an EVA who reached out through socials. Hello, Nadine Armstrong. Oh, hello, Rusty. Well, you and I were lucky enough to do some work together recently as well as part of the Car Sales Melbourne EV show. How what good a, what was it? Good three days, wasn't that Crazy great? crowds. Big. The crowds were impressive, but what else was impressive is just how engaged they were. They mm. were truly ready. They were curious about it. They were genuinely keen not only to learn, but to buy. Time for a bit of news on the podcast. Best place to go for that in between episodes, of course, is our electric vehicle hub, carsales.com.au forward slash electric. Always lots of news happening in this space. When we sat down between season one and season two, producer Kelsey banged the desk and said, I want to change things up for 2023. So we're going to involve her in the podcast. So how's this going to work? What are we going to do here? Come on. Well, hi, Rusty. Hi, nice welcome. Nice to see you. Welcome. I swear I'm not actually that bossy in real life, but I am going to be bringing you the headlines this season. Excellent. And I think one that you've all heard about is the High Court striking down Victoria's electric vehicle tax in a ruling that could threaten other state levies. And Nads, uh, this was timely. It needed to be done. We need a national approach to this. Plenty of people cheering about it, I would imagine. You're a Victorian. Absolutely. Obviously, this is a national It's a national podcast, but, yeah. but the reaction there must have been huge. There's two Victorian drivers that took it all the way, and, and I think they've done a brilliant job. Unconstitutional it was. Unconstitutional. It really was a hero story. And now, because of this announcement, the New South Wales and WA road user charge, charge that's yep. likely going to be Crap now. Yeah, because I, I mean, this is what I was saying in response to your headline there a minute ago. It, it just got, it's got to be a national approach here, doesn't it? I mean, you can't oh, be. Uh, we've, we've had, everyone that comes on the pod says we've got to have a national approach to this. And, and we had, I think, an example going back at the end of season one, one of the episodes where it might have been a meet and Evia who was talking about being a Victorian and it didn't matter if they went into another state, if they drove into another state. I think the Vic road user charge at the time still applied, didn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And you know, we had Behad from the EV Council saying, you know, we support a national strategy. This needs to be where the conversation is going and that EV drivers wanting to do the right thing, take that step. They shouldn't be penalised. Listen to us. We sound like Alan Jones. Remember Alan Jones, the famous radio announcer, ah. 2GB? One three one eight seven three. That's our view. We'd love yours on the program. <laughs> Keep going, Kelsey. <laughs> All right. Now, next up. Now, this story has a lot of, is it acronyms? An acronym. An acronym, yeah. the, Always, the letters. Yeah, letters. You know, yeah. what we all love in the car industry, you know. Go. So Australia's most popular car brand, Toyota, says EV vehicles remain impractical and Tesla retaliated. So Sean Hanley, the vice president of sales at Toyota, made the comments to journalists at the Japan Mobility Show where they did in fact show off their first electric car, the BZ4X SUV. That is a mouthful. The comments come after EV sales in Australia almost doubled and as future legislation promises to increase supply. But he wasn't completely disregarding EVs. He was saying that hybrids right now are a better fit for Aussie motorists and could have greater environmental benefits. But obviously, you know, they're still investing in electric vehicles, you know, that we see in the BZ4X SUV. So a couple of things that immediately come to mind here. 
I'm not adverse. When we launched season two of the podcast here, we talked about embracing other areas of cleaner-based automotive and motoring, right? What he has said in relation to hybrids, that could be a great starting point for, for many Australians to integrate, to move down this path. And we probably shouldn't discount that. But- or is Toyota just ringing their own bell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rowan Patel, Tesla's vice president, he actually made a statement on X, which was Twitter. He says, obviously not much of an expert of the Australian electric grid talking about Toyota's vice president. So sticky point there. Speaking of Toyota, they actually had a very exciting announcement. Ampol, Hyundai, Hyundai Australia, Pacific Energy and Toyota have joined forces to develop hydrogen refuelling infrastructure. And we're actually going to talk about this a little bit on our next episode. So memorandum of understanding on this subject, bringing together a, a number of parties. I think it's a little bit horses for courses, isn't it? I mean, some feeling like EVs may be better for short distance commutes, better for around town and so on. Will hydrogen perhaps suit other applications and so on, Nadine? Yeah, absolutely. But I guess the one thing I love to see here is the the kind of collaboration we've seen. We've already seen this across battery electric vehicle technology. So I think this kind of collaboration is is a good step forward. Um, More options, the better. But yes, I think depending on what application you're using your, you know, if we look at the transport sector more broadly, you know, maybe it is the way forward. Hyundai actually has 23 Nexo fuel cell electric vehicles in Canberra as part of a partnership with the ACT government hydrogen station project. Toyota has local trials of the Mirai FCEV sedan. So, I mean, more types of different energy vehicles on the road. I mean, that's... Kels, how exciting do you think a meeting of the Nexo Ownership Club in Canberra would be? What even is Nexo? They might be listening to us, be nice to the Nexo. (laughs) Hey, in terms of finding out the headlines, I'm intrigued about the process of determining what you're going to fire at us. I mean, nothing about Kia partnering on reuse and repurposing of EV batteries. Nothing about the Skoda Enyaq taking 12 minutes to charge, the one they're going to release in 2028. And how come, how come Alex, our buddy Alex, she did a great yarn on five great cars for aliens who've just arrived on Earth. You didn't go with that one. You didn't go with that one. How how dare I? (laughs) How dare I miss something so big? Lay it down to Kelsey. Thank you so much for the feedback, Rusty. I will take that on board for the next episode. Time to do a performance review, Kelsey. Season two, already moving in, taking over. We're in trouble here, Nads. Only a matter of time. I couldn't get up in the lift today. <laughs> Righto, now it's time to get into the What Report with Fian Tor. He's my car sales colleague. He's a senior editor, respected journalist. He's my favourite motoring maniac. Don't tell sinkers. And we're giving him a regular spot on the pod. Fian, take it away. A prototype electric Toyota Hilux ute and Tesla boss Elon Musk is digging an early grave for the Cybertruck. Salutations everyone, senior editor Fian Tor here with what's new on the EV market. First up, the Ford Mustang Mark E has just arrived in Australia and it's a case of better late than never. Three years overdue, the Mustang SUV is priced between $80,000 and $110,000 and has a range of between 470 and 600 kilometres, depending on the model. That's a pretty reasonable range by anyone's standard. It's not going to be anywhere near as popular as the top-selling EV in Australia at the moment, the Tesla Model Y. 
but it does have some cool features that will raise eyebrows. Firstly, it's got a Mustang on the front. And secondly, it doesn't have any door handles. None, zero, zilch. I've actually reviewed this EV and while I love the way it drives and sounds, I reckon it's about $10,000 too expensive. It's on sale now and the market will ultimately decide how popular it is. Next up, Australia's top selling vehicle for the last seven years in a row, the Toyota Hilux has finally gone all electric. But there's a catch, you can't buy it. Well, not yet anyway. It has a range of around 230 kilometers and the prototype we tested recently was very neat and tidy compared to some of the Chinese EV utes we've also driven. Now, a small fleet of the electric Hilux utes will be undergoing testing in Thailand in 2024, ahead of an expected Aussie launch in the near future. So stay tuned to the podcast and the car sales website to get the latest updates on this fascinating new ute. And there's been some big news from US-based electric car giant Tesla, the brand's polarizing CEO, Elon Musk, warning that the new Cybertruck dual-cab electric ute could damage the brand's bottom line, at least in the short term, when it launches in the USA on November 30, 2023. The Cybertruck will come with single, dual, triple, and yes, even quad motor configurations with a cruising range of between 400 kilometers and a whopping 1,000 kilometers, depending on the model and battery. We don't expect to see the Cybertruck in Aussie Tesla garages anytime soon. It turns out it's really challenging and very expensive to build a wedge-shaped ute with a bulletproof stainless steel exoskeleton. Who would have thunk it? Musk told investors, and I quote, we dug our own grave with the Cybertruck. And some quick news to finish with, the highly anticipated Kia EV9 large family SUV will be on sale in Australia any minute now, with a range of more than 500 kilometers and pricing to start from above $90,000. Sister brand Hyundai has also opened the order books for its ballistic Ionic 5N, which will melt mines as well as wallets, with an eye-watering $111,000 starting price, but stomach-churning performance that could put Porsche 911s in their place. Lastly, Ford Australia is looking at bringing the Ford Explorer EV down under, which is essentially a better-looking VW ID4 midsize SUV. Cruising range is likely to be identical to the VW between 350 and 540 kilometers, but there's every chance it could be more affordable than its twin under the skin. And that's what's current in the EV market. Catch you next time. Thank you, Fian. Time to meet an EVer. This was a really popular segment in season one. I know, I know. And I'm actually really excited about this meet an EVer for Why? our Why? season two return because <laughs> Cassie Clark is our meet an EV, but she reached out to us through socials, which we would encourage everybody to do. But Cassie told me that two of her main sources for EV research and EV news have been What's Under the Bonnet and Dr. Carl, who was on our (laughs) podcast. So it's just this perfect thing. And she said she's eternally grateful. So we could not not have Cassie on. Thank you. That's a very nice introduction (laughs) Uh, and a great shout out for Dr. Carl as well. And you've just bought a Tesla Model 3. Tell us about it. Yeah, no worries. So I got it about end of May after a three-month wait. It's been a really great transition. I'm absolutely loving it. So we use it 
pretty much to go to the shops for me to go into work, which is about 50 kilometres, about twice a week. We've also taken it on some great longer trips. Actually, this weekend, I went down to Venus Bay and the total trip was around 400 kilometres. It went the whole way without having to stop at any charging stations and came back with about 20% or went really smoothly. And I am absolutely loving it. Now, your dad, we are reliably informed, is a bit of a petrol head. So how's he he reacted to you doing this? Come on. Uh, Yeah, the initial conversations, kind of the end of last year, start of this year, were interesting. He loves doing our podcasts, HRs, Tarana's, that sort of thing. So I think he was a bit shocked and he didn't really know much about it. He had the classic concerns of like, oh, no, what if they're more likely to start a fire or, you know, are they going to cost you more in the long run? Yeah. But we had some really great conversations and he was very supportive and he's obviously taken it for a little bit of a spin and he's also very impressed. Tell us, is he converted? Yeah, he hasn't actually converted himself, but, but, I, but he, he loves does the love talk it. and the acceleration, doesn't he? I bet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he <laughs> loves the performance. <laughs> Tell us about why you chose the Tesla and you know, um, I know that you took uh, advantage of some of the incentives that there are currently. So tell us a little bit about that. So it was really difficult and a bit overwhelming to try and find the right car that suited me. But at the end of the day with Tesla, I think it was kind of three things. One was that it was available. It felt like really good value for money. And then as you touched on, it was also below the luxury vehicle threshold, which was really important for me to take advantage of some tax benefits. Not only was the car impressive, when you go in, you know, you felt like it was a luxury car, even for the semi-affordable price tag relative to the market. You know, it gives you a good range, around 490 kilometres. It has all of the fancy features for even like pretty much the base model, the wireless charging all the safety features, the seat and steering wheel warmers. So I I went away feeling very impressed, like you were getting pretty good bang for your buck. But also in talking to the Tesla people, they were all really helpful and they were really easy in answering all of my questions and any concerns I had. Like they basically had an answer for everything and they were also really helpful with the government subsidies. I did test drive two other traditional ice manufacturing cars, their EV options, And I felt just a little bit less underwhelmed, like they had less answers to my questions, still very helpful and were still great cars, but I just felt there wasn't that comparison to the Tesla. Okay. So that actual experience, the buying experience, talking to them, how informative and helpful they were, was actually a very important part of your decision-making. Is that right? Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk charging now because invariably you, you know, your life, when you're living with an EV, life changes about how you go about things. Tell us about what you do and what your, um, your kind of daily habits in that regard are like. Absolutely. was one of the biggest transition points or mind shifts for me. Even after a week, we got a really good system going. So firstly at home, we're very lucky enough to have our own home in a carport with an external PowerPoint. So we basically just get the standard Tesla charger, plug it into the PowerPoint, into the car, and it charges. After we paid the deposit on the car, we actually immediately ordered solar panels and got them installed. And I think, yeah, one of your tips was around this really great app called Charge HQ. And we rely on that religiously. So for those who haven't heard about it before, basically it's an app you download for free. It talks 
between the app, your car, and the inverter. And throughout the day, if your car's plugged in, it will only charge off the excess solar that comes through, well done. which is amazing. We also, again, rely on the app PlugShare. That's been really great to highlight some local free and paid charging stations around. We're really lucky to have two actually in our local shopping centre. One's free and one's paid, both are ChargeFox. So yeah, we'll go down, plug it in, shop for an hour, go back, go out with an extra, you know, 20, 30% in the tank. So yeah, that's all been really useful. I love this. It sounds like you really, really have gone in the deep end straight away and and you've embraced the technology apps. Have you also embraced the, the cars technology? Because I know there's a lot of other functionality in the Tesla Model 3. Yeah, I'm not a huge tech head. Yet. But I do <laughs> love <laughs> You sound like one, but... Uh, no, maybe I'm converted now. Who knows? Um, I actually previously had an old Hyundai i30, so from, I think, 2014. So it was quite old and it didn't have CarPlay or anything like that. So, yeah, obviously the Bluetooth, Spotify, the digital radio, all that stuff has been great for me. But also I've been really impressed with kind of the options you can have around the driving modes. So now I'm very much into the one pedal and oh, I probably will never go back to two. <laughs> yes, and the regenerative braking has been it great. It took a little it was while to get your mind around it. How'd you go with uh, that? Absolutely. And on the weekend, a friend actually, she test drove the car and she was, you know, bunny hopping a little bit and then it's a reminder <laughs> of what I was like at the start. But, yeah, a little bit to get your head around at the start. But now it's it's just second nature. It's like muscle memory. Such great learnings. And mm. these are the exact conversations that people want to hear. But if there's any other things that you would really like sort of, you know, would-be people that are just, you know, sort of sitting on the fence a little bit about taking that next step like you have, what would those messages be? If you're on the fence and if there is an affordable option out there for you, then just do it. You know, take take the plunge. I think the transition is a lot easier than most people think. And there's obviously really great resources out there now that people can look into to kind of help make them feel more confident in making that decision, like maybe going through the whole of season one of what's under the bonnet. Um, <laughs> but You're yeah, coming on the- again, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shameless plug. Hey, have you joined the Tesla Owners Club? I actually haven't. Yeah. No, I probably should have. <laughs> Great bunch of people. They are, they are. We've been talking to Cassie Clark, Minister for our Meet and EVA segment. <laughs> My work here is done, basically. Um, thank you for coming on and chatting with us and sharing your experience. Be safe out there on the roads and continue to get out and enjoy it because clearly you are. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me. And that's it for this edition of what we're affectionately calling the What Report. We're out on a more regular basis. Um, those of you that were at the EV show and those that have emailed in between season one and season two said they were there's a bit of a thirst for more content. So we want to deliver it on a more regular basis. Hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. What did you think? Oh, oh. <laughs> look at you go. You're not the only one with oh, the jokes. Oh, the crook mum and dad jokes. There's something for you to look forward to in coming episodes here on What's Under the Bonnet. Keep an eye on your feed, of course, uh, for notifications on when the next episode drops. And we'd love you to rate and review the podcast as well. Send us a message if you would like to come on as we would like to meet more EVs on the pod. Bye for now. Listener.